Hello again, this is Noah and John. We're from Urban Digs. We are Talk Manhattan. We're at Level Group today, Johnny. Yes, we are. Looking forward to it. We got Mikhail Lal Chandani. Yes, hi, yeah. thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a cool podcast. This is, we got a, we got a marketing wizard here, Ooh. and I want to tap into some of your skill set. Um, but first, before we do that, this show is about extracting the insights in your head about what's going on in the market. So let's start high level with the market first. You're a transactional broker. That's correct. And how long have you been doing this for? Uh, over 10 years. Over 10 years. So you've got some experience. I hope um, so. <laughs> you've been through the last down cycle. The I was crisis. actually started in 2008 at when the market had crashed. Okay, that's a great Perfect market time. to learn it, you know, that kind of small market. Um, what are you seeing out there? What's going on? It is definitely a buyer's market. Um, there are a lot of buyers that are still not sure if the market hit the bottom. And uh, a lot of them are just fishing for deals, seeing how much discounts they can get on, on the buy side. Yeah. Um, but they're still hesitant to pull the trigger, and that's what we're seeing a lot in the marketplace. So you will, will go through the whole shebang of going through a deal, mm-hmm. and then they get cold feet for whatever reason it is. And I've even had contracts that people have walked away from. Even though they're even though the price is a good deal? Everything is good. All but the they've gone through the whole thing. They've, they've negotiated. Signed a contract, wow. given a deposit, they, they and still walked away contract. from the deal. They actually yeah. signed a contract? Yes, and they walked away because they were not confident of them. Would they, they put a stop on the check or something? No, no, no. The, they, the seller got the, the contract deposit. Oh, okay. And they still would rather walk away because they felt that there was still a lot more cushion wow. that we hadn't hit the bottom yet. If I was a seller, I would have just signed that thing, send it back and just yeah. say, hey, we're done. Many contracts. <laughs> like, oh. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, what you're seeing is, is the data is echoing that. Um, a lot of people on this podcast are seeing the same thing. What, what are, what's causing the confusion? Why are buyers so just on the fence? I, and I don't want to sound uh, negative, but I, what I've seen from the last downturn in 2008 when I started in this business is that there is a herd mentality. Yeah. When, when there's press and there's so many positive things going on in the marketplace and there's like a lot of news cycle that says, oh my God, the market's so great. Everybody goes, rushes and buys and then the bidding wars. When people start saying negative things and everyone's really hesitant, right. the savvy buyers and the investors are the ones that know that this is the time to buy. Just like in the stock market, you buy low and you sell high. Right. The savvy buyers and the savvy investors are the ones that are, that, that's my bulk of the business right now, right. that are buying. Yeah, you want to buy when blood is on the streets, and that is right Absolutely. Well, that's the thing. I mean, buyers want, they want their cake and they want to eat it too. Number one, they want to buy in hindsight, right? They want to buy when the market's already turned and we're already starting to go up again. They say, all right, well, I, I, I want to buy back then. Um, and we always Absolutely. tell them that you got to buy when the blood is Absolutely. on the streets. Like, right, but the psychological impact is you want to buy when other people are buying because it's like that's exactly. the safe time it makes to you do feel it. Comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. But the savvy time to do it is when no one else is buying. I mean, I yeah. give you a good example. 2008, I had a client uh, that bought in Williamsburg at the Edge building. Mm-hmm. And at that time, they could not give the apartments away. Right. Today, that unit has doubled in price right. over over 10-year period. So. That is when the market is down, which is where we are today, and people are just hesitant to jump in the market. And I, and I, I get it, yeah. you know, but this is really where the investors and savvy buyers buy. You know, you bring up a good point. You're making me think about this. The, the 2007 peak, right, before the 2008-2009 crisis, um, we surpassed that in the last cycle. The 2014-2015 peak was higher than that. And even though we've come down, we're still kind right. of like right, you know, we're down, like right near where we were in 2007. So the fact that they actually made money on that is, is an outperforming kind if of you, thing. If you look over the last 20 years, the overall trend is still going up, even though we have down cycles. I mean, yeah, look, exactly. we, are, we are a cyclical market, right? Yeah. Just like any, we are both annually cyclical and also over time cyclical. So right. we just happen to be in a slump, but we're still overall still doing much better than we were. 
Right, and even even in that cyclical market, you're going to have pockets of strength. You're going to have pockets. You're going to have neighborhoods that are just constantly in demand, no Absolutely. matter what. Like Greenwich Village, Tribeca, totally. Williamsburg. I mean, totally. these are neighborhoods that people want it's, to be it's, in. Those are destination areas. Yeah, it's all about the location, and those clearly right. have the right fundamentals that yeah. people always want. That's right. And if you're in, say, a more pedestrian area, Yorkville, two bed co-op, which I am, it's you know, it it's a different story altogether. That area is changing too. Though. It is changing. The Second Avenue subway has Absolutely. brought in a lot more. There's a lot of new developments going up. I mean, it's yeah. You know, Yorkville proud. What's up? <laughs> Represent. Represent. Uh, I'm looking at listing discount here. This uh-huh. is telling me how much sellers are going down to get a deal done. Um, it says seven percent. It's at the highest number pretty much in the last um, five or six years or so. Uh, I'm sure it was higher in 2008 at that peak. It was probably a little higher than that. Um, but we're at the highest point in this cycle. Does that ring true with what you're saying? I, I would absolutely agree with that. In fact, I'm doing a deal right now for a new construction, and we're getting 12.5% off the house. Okay, uh, I love it. All right, so let's talk about the buy side. You do a lot of buyers, mostly sellers? I am currently 100% buy side. 100% buy side. Because being on the seller side, you're sitting and you're waiting to do deals, right. and you have to have that uncomfortable conversation with your seller where you priced it a couple of months ago, and now the prices have come down further, right. and it's just sitting, and they, and they want expectations. On the buy side, we have full flexibility, and we have full leverage. Yeah. I love being- It's a great time to leverage. be a buyer's broker. Absolutely. So what, how many buyers are you working with right now? I typically don't take more than five buyers at a time. It gets counterproductive, right? Absolutely, if you want to give good quality service to, to your clients, yeah. five I found, and I'm very highly efficient, yeah. five is the max I can handle. Right. I mean, when, I, when we were transacting, I, it, we had 10, 15 buyers at a time. And you know what? Once we start getting over five, six, seven buyers, it just gets counterproductive. Right. And you don't provide the same service to all of the people. Totally. And then at the end of the day, I forget about one buyer, and he's the one that ends up signing the contract. He's like, yeah, I haven't heard from you in right. three and, weeks. And one of the things that people don't understand is, let's say, I mean, you and I work as a team. So if one person can handle five, yeah. two people can handle 10. Not necessarily. It doesn't, you can't scale that way. Two no. people can handle eight. So many people could handle maybe thirteen. I mean, so, you know, it doesn't add up. So you really have to I be. Totally agree with you. you have to increase the efficiency more per person on your team to handle more buyers. As as an agent uh, over the last ten years, I've seen other successful uh, uh, salespeople in other industries, and I've tried to understand how can they scale their business and how do they learn best practices, and I've tried to bring that into real estate. Right. Uh, I want to so, go back to your buyers for one second. Yeah, just one second. What? What? Um, so you got twelve and a half percent off this new development, which we were just talking about. This we were just at a conference talking about. I'm like, you put some bids in, 10, 15 percent below from the development. It's will, not ridiculous. They did not, not. They weren't insulted they by didn't, the offer. They didn't. They didn't balk at Did it. you start lower than twelve and a half? Did you start twenty percent below? No. Uh, so actually, that pro- property was priced even higher at around three million. Mm-hmm. They had dropped it already. Yep. And our offer was off that lowered price, mm-hmm. off twelve and a half percent off gotcha. the lower price. Right. And and we told them like, look, this is the market. Market. This is the comps that we're seeing in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We think this is a fair uh, offer, and we're we're a very motivated cash deal. We'll do more quickly, and it was done. This is the comps in the neighborhood. If any brokers are listening to, to this, you, right, you are representing a buyer. You are giving this over to the developer. You're showing them what the data is and what happened. You got a signed deal. The the developer also, their project managers may be too busy dealing with many projects, and they don't may not know the most recent comps and they have these expectations for the building. Right. If you help to enlighten where they are, where the building is doing or where the neighborhood is doing, right. it really helps to, to soften the deal for your, right. for your buyer. And I mean, and, and I'll give props to Jared Randolph of Compass because this is one of the things that we were just talking about, yeah. which is that a lot of people think, hey, listen, the market's really soft. I'm going to throw in a number 50% off and let's just see that that developer has to sell. So it, what Jared was saying is, you know what, they don't have to sell. They have deep pockets. They can wait out a lot of time, but they're willing to negotiate. So 
give them something reasonable and they will work with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can give you an example. I was on the seller side and we have a unit in contract and the buyer just came with a, I had the first buyer who came with a ridiculous offer. It was maybe like 30% off the ask and we just didn't even start a conversation with them. The second buyer, even though we got a lower price than we wanted than, than what we thought was the market, we at least had a conversation saying that this is worth our time and we should at least try to make the deal happen because yeah. who knows how much longer it can just sit on the market. And right. sellers are motivated because they have personal reasons they have to move, uh, financial reasons they have to move, and so they just want to get a deal done, but they want it at the fair market value. Right, interesting stuff. Um, what do you see like generally high level kind of thing? Like, where, do you, where do you see this market going? So I know that there's a lot of negative uh, press out there, but if you look at the fundamentals of the marketplace, there are actually strong indicators that the market may be turning, maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but I think in the in the near horizon, mm -hmm. um, rental market is strong. Typically, when the rental market becomes stronger, it trickles into the sales market over time. There's less filings for new, new, new developments in the long term. Those new, new developments take years to come to market. Once the new development is on the in current inventory, gets sold and moves through the, the market, then there's gonna be only a lot of resales, and so that's when there's gonna be a lot of buyers fighting for the same properties. Right. That's when the market will turn, and I think that there's a lot of fundamental, like the, like the interest rates that dropped recently, mm -hmm. a lot of fundamentals that I think in the next two years or so, we start seeing a change in the market. You know what, I, I it, it rings true, because we were talking about this the other day, John, how the inventory of new developments, it's, it's big right now, but no building is going on right now. And no building has been going on for the last year or so. Yeah, and no building yes. is going to happen for the next. No one's doing anything. For many years to come. For many years to come. Yeah. And ultimately, after a couple of years, and that inventory clears through, and we see ourselves in 2021, 22, mm -hmm. we're going to have a shortage again. And, and, that's, just, and that's what I'm, I, that's what I forecast right. will happen. Yeah, and that's probably when the next new development wave, for all we know, 421A will come back at that point, and it'll just kind of reinvigorate. I mean, well, well, if you look at it, in 2008 when the market crashed, that's the same thing that happened. When the market crashed, then the rental market became stronger. Yeah. When the rental market became stronger, then it trickled over to the sales. Yeah, and right. that's what Brian Warrior City Habitat is saying. It's the rent-to-buy equation basically essentially has to flip. Correct. And you know, the, the state it's assembly tough. just passed a whole bunch of new rent regulations which aren't necessarily going to affect market rate apartments, but it will Land, trickle. Uh, landlords are going to have to make their money somewhere. If they can't make exactly. it off the affordable housing units, it's going to go into the, the market rate units. And those, I would expect those rents to increase, putting more pressure uh, into sales. I prices. totally agree with you. What about this whole new thing with the, with the reform laws? The rents well, that's what I'm talking about. So I, th I feel like the affordable housing is basically capped. So if you're a landlord and you own a mix of affordable and market rate, you can no longer make money on the affordable side. You're going to make money on the market rate side. So those rents are going to increase. Right. That's going to help tip the equation back to the buy side, eventually. When the, that's the, going to happen, the, I'm not sure. The government is saying that's not going to happen, but by changing laws that affects a big swath of the population, it will affect the entire market over time. Right. So it's I think that's going to take a couple, time, a couple of years take, to, take, to figure it out. It was like the taxes. I mean, the assault deductions. Everyone that came out, it was huge news. It took like two years to really kind of Right, but it's also, I mean, listen... Right now, some of the you know, 421As, I know that a lot of that stuff's going away, but if you want to build a new rental building, a lot of that component has to be affordable housing. Right. And if suddenly you can no longer make money on the affordable housing side, the entire equation of building might be scratched. Wow. So you might not see new housing come onto the market. There's a lot of unknowns here. This is Absolutely. breaking news. Do you think, do you think the, the, not the bigger developers, but the broader landlords and management companies or whoever just putting you know, money to work in multifamily, are, are they just backing down right now because of this? To see what, like, just a wait and see kind of thing? 
Is that market about to get hit a little, you think? I mean, we just don't know. It's way too early. I mean, this happened literally a few days ago. Yeah, this is really way too early. You mean you don't have information right now? (laughs) I mean, come on, this market moves fast. It's a magic ball and totally the future. All right, that makes sense. I'd like to shift, if we could, to talking about you mentioned scaling business. Uh And I mean, that's one of the things you were talking last week. There's a a a seminar. Yeah, Thrive and Dominate. Online, yeah. Yeah, and um, you were talking about marketing and scaling business. So if you could recap some of that. so It was a very successful seminar, and it was our first seminar for Level for level group and the whole point uh, me being in the business I actually started from another industry and what I'm seeing is that the market for agents is changing even from 15 years ago 15 years ago I think 2005 was when Street Easy and Zillow started mm-hmm. okay oh that was maybe 2006 yeah yeah so maybe 19 years ago and today people consumers go online first to look for properties or go online first to see who their recommended uh, agent should uh, is, and they want to see that person has a profile, they exist online. Mm-hmm. If we as agents, as a community, don't have a presence online, we're missing out. And these other dominating uh, 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 online companies are taking over the industry. So we as individual agents, because we're all contract laborers, right. we're all freelance workers. If we, don't, uh, if we don't take charge of our own future, we can become obsolete very quickly. And unfortunately, the trend is changing year by year now. And so we have to be very current with what's going on. So, so what are what is a couple things that some agents can do too? Well, I think the most important thing, as that was shown on the seminar, is have an online profile. Not 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 just saying to have a generic photo and just some text about yourself, mm-hmm. but really put time and energy into that online profile. Having a well taken uh, headshot, have someone copy read your 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 bio, mm-hmm. have a video about yourself and your services. Mm-hmm. If I was to, uh, if, if, if you're recommended to me online, uh, if you're recommended to me mm-hmm. from somebody else or from your, one of your listings, I'm not gonna contact you immediately. I'm gonna go first on Google, type John, and see if you have photos, if you have articles about yourself, if you, are, if you exist in the real estate business, right. and how successful you are before I wanna engage with you. Right. I wanna feel trustworthy, not from someone that recommended me, but from, the, from online that you, that you are a trustworthy person right. before I engage you. And so I see a lot of agents, especially the ones that haven't transitioned to today's uh, changing uh, online scape, is that they have to start investing in themselves to be, to be um, a legitimate agent uh, online. And the online profile is basically, it's LinkedIn, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's a a web page. That's like the basic. Right, the basic. Then you have to start having your own web presence, which is your own website, uh, YouTube, on, on, on medium like you guys are on medium like so let's talk things. about that content yeah, I, I was gonna say what's the difference between content not the difference per se but what's the the spread between the content you have on the page and how well the page is presented so well so unfortunately we're not in the 1990s anymore online look and feel has to look current and modern has to be responsive mobile friendly if you don't have those factors in then people will just automatically assume that you're not a, a current agent yeah. I invest uh, time and money into making sure that my online profile is uh, ahead of the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, like as soon as you land on my on my website, on my mobile, on the mobile phone, you see a video of me talking to you on an, on a first person. Right, and that's the first, and that's the first um, exposure that that potential leads. It makes it, yeah. it makes it makes a, a, a change in your perception of what an the expectation of what an agent should be. Right, and if other agents don't have that current uh, using the latest. 
uh, technological trends of yeah. what online presence is, they're going to miss out. And unfortunately, it changes every year. And, and this is a commodity, though. You don't have to build this yourself. You can find someone who will host this Absolutely. website for you. There's, you there's just so many. Like, I mean, I recommend websites like Square, Squarespace, Verb, WordPress. Yeah. For very inexpensive amount of monthly costs, you can have a really modern site. And you can go to Upwork.com, and you can get some engineers yeah. or designers, and you can go to Fiverr, and you can get some whatever else you get there. Upwork, I'm telling you, I hire people almost every week from yeah, there, it's and it's changed my life. And it's like, you get quality uh, freelance workers that mm-hmm. actually, like Fiverr to me, the quality is not that good, right. so I don't, I don't go there anymore. Okay. But Upwork has good quality for not a lot of money. So in yeah. case anyone's wondering what, he, what he's talking about, is, is Upwork has engineers and designers and when you're building a web page you basically need a front end page a designer and then you need a back end to code it and make it all work and all that stuff um, and Upwork has those people that you can find and, and review ratings. I mean I, I recently hired a 3D printer maker uh-huh. to make lapel pins for me Very cool. for, for $32 yeah. uh, I've hired a videographer for $500 yeah. um, I have a blogger that's on consistently $120 per article right. so I mean I can get anybody and everybody to be to facilitate my business without me having to build right. a is that change. where most of your leads come in sorry John no what do you mean leads well, uh, your potential new business that comes in like your buyer your new buyers that contact through, you through, up- through, through no 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 through all your social through all uh, your, I, your I, website I have so many different channels coming in all the time that I when I wake up in the morning I have a few chat requests I have a few emails coming in Interesting. but they're all different uh, ways of so you're basically you're putting landmines you're putting traps you, uh, well, out so there you, you have to yeah well yeah. one of the things you uh, a lot of Urban Digs uh, subscribe and, and followers of the cult might know is that Noah and I are we're, marketing is not our main strong suit. That's not what do you mean? I know we have <laughs> awesome stuff, but we don't blast it to the world. But you know, one of the things that people have told us is there's this thing called the sales funnel, and you got to make it really wide because you want people in that funnel. And as they come down, well, think about it this way. So, and these are the different channels: of social, your web presence, your brokerage presence. It's landing pages. It's a landing page. Like you don't know where that consumer is coming from, whether it's right. Google, YouTube, well, Facebook. Well, here's the thing: if you type in my name, Mukulachandani, on Google, if you do it right now. You will see two to three pages of the first two to three pages of just me on different places all online. Right. You'll see photos of my all of my my headshots. If you click uh, pictures, you'll see pages of me. Right. And then on the first page of Google, you see videos of me. So this that everywhere. shows that I I, I I exist in real estate in yeah. New York City, and I am a legitimate agent. You know what? I, I look when it, when it comes to being a real estate broker. This is how I feel about it. Like you're, you're doing your transactional business and all the things that have to grow the transactional business. I always felt that I had to have something else on the side, whether for my real estate or something else, that was slowly snowballing and getting bigger and bigger for the weeks and the months that I did it. And I only took a little bit of time to do it, like maybe 15, 20, 15 hours a week or 10 hours a week, a couple hours here and there. Um, content, generating content. That is what I think is what is lacking. And agents need to really understand the power of it because engaging educational Absolutely. content, if you could provide, now we use, use Loom for this podcast. So agents, you can do this too. I think it's $10 a month. And you could just do a video camcorder on a website, hosted thing, and just talk about the market, talk about what you're seeing, and put that out on your website and share it with your newsletter. And do that once a week or once every couple weeks, and that all gets archived. Right? Absolutely. So that's Absolutely. I think most agents don't understand. It's like, well, what am I going to talk about? You know, well, I mean, this market is so fast-paced and things are changing. You may not think it's interesting, but I'm interested in knowing what you've experienced in the last two weeks of your buyers and sellers deals because that can give me insights into what's actually happening. I believe it was a Google analytical uh, thing where it said 87% of all traffic in 2022 will be video content. 
Right. So if you want to be ahead of the curve, video is the future. I mean, what you guys are doing is uh, is unknown in the industry. There right. are no real um, uh, like big players that are just doing real estate for online. Right. So you guys are kind of the pioneers of this of this space. Good. good well, stuff. I think that's you know yeah. we, we had a we did we talked to Ryan Serhan. I think it was late last year mm-hmm. and. His videos will generate a million views, Absolutely. maybe more. Yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing, and he talks about very interesting stuff. But I mean, he's got a full production crew, and they look amazing. But you know what? I mean, to go to the top floor of a new development and talks with the builders, and talk, it's just conversations. So and, I guess the yeah. the question I had is, all right, you're not Ryan Serhan, you're not cool. What what can you do if you're just starting out? Like this is like month number two of your real estate you, career. You so if you're talking about just marketing. You need to have a marketing plan. You have to sit down and figure out, you know, what, where do I want to be found? Like for me, I'm very design focused. So I am present on Instagram. I do Facebook pixel advertising. I have amazing stock photos that I invest in to create this lifestyle that I sell. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out what is your specialty? What do you want to hone in on? And then really just get that out to the people that are looking for that kind of content. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting stuff. We're, we're getting down to the final minutes here, so let's just shift to final thoughts here. we got buyers, we got sellers, we got agents. Um, a lot of agents listen to this, so let's just go through the gamut. I'm a buyer out there. I see what's going on. I think the market's going down. I don't know for sure, but I, that's what I'm thinking. Um, what do you tell these guys? Look, if you are going to live there for, let's say, seven to ten years or more, whether you get a little bit off uh, the the purchase price today, I mean, meaning that the price has gone down a little bit more. Yeah. Over seven to ten years, if you look at the historical data of uh, dollar per square foot in the city, they're also trending upwards. If you get a good deal, you're getting off a off the purchase price a nice a nice deal. I yeah. say go for it. You yeah. nothing should if you like the place, just make the move on it today. It's all about the place. You know, if you like that place and that place has the features you're looking for, don't don't worry about a couple of basis points here and there. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, no one knows what's going to happen in six months. Yeah, that's where, that's where the online meets the offline. Is you got to walk through the front door, and you'll get that feeling right totally. away. Totally, right. You know, Absolutely, you have to love you've seen, you got to you got to know it. Absolutely, and, and don't forget, whatever deal that 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 is happening at, that you're setting the market. So whatever deal you're making, at some point, someone else is going to look at that and say, "Well, that's the new comp." You know, what about sellers? Uh, I think you have to just be serious. If you really need to sell, if you're motivated to sell, sell now. If you don't, wait a few years, and then when the market turns, which it will very soon, in my opinion. Then you might as well just wait it, wait it out. Gotcha, interesting. And agents, what about agents out there? Uh, if you are looking to grow, you really have to have an online presence. Otherwise, you are going to be an obsolete agent in today's world. Excellent. And would you start with video? No, I would. I would start with the other like profiles. Yep. Be able to use your profile. You, you should be found on Google at the minimum. Right. Excellent stuff. Uncle, well, thank you so much for having me. We're you. at Level Group. This thank is Noah you. and John. We are from Urban Digs. We are talking Manhattan. We'll catch you next time.